Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to the Dish with Dina podcast. I am so happy to have you join us again this week. Today, my guest is Jason Birnbaum. Jason and I dish about everything from Crohn's disease to the coronavirus and fermented foods to family dinners. Jason has had an ever-evolving career path from being a former sleep specialist to a current life insurance producer. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Jason Birnbaum, welcome to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to spend with me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dina. Thank you. So much like all of these podcast episodes have been going, I always start off with an origin story. And if you don't mind, if you remember sharing with our listeners, how did we meet, how we came across each other? Well, um, I am lifelong friends with your life partner, Mark. <laughs> yes. And uh, I mean, literally, he he's born, I think, I think it's the day after my brother. Mm -hmm. And we all grew up in the same community together, the Sephardic Jewish Greek community mm -hmm. in Queens. And so he knows me since the day I'm born. So, yeah. you know, and then once you uh, entered into his life, yeah. you know, we obviously met at some point. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. I've, I've been with him. I don't think I shared this with anybody. I've been with him. Oh gosh, what is this now? 18-ish years, 18 years. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be about 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's many decades have passed us in that time, but we all look fantastic, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do. So that's true. I I knew him, I knew of you guys, and then thankfully at some point we, we did all meet in person and mm -hmm. we've been keeping in touch, which I'm so grateful for because the reason why you're on this podcast is because you answered a request of mine when I was looking for guests to come on. My my purpose in having the podcast is, yes, to talk mostly about food and health and wellness, and uh, but also learning about people's cultural backgrounds and upbringings and earliest food memories, et cetera, and not necessarily to have it just within the constructs of my colleagues. I want to make sure everybody who I know, or maybe even some strangers who are interested in talking about their lives, because we all eat and we all have a story to share. So if you don't mind on that note, would you take us back to oh so many years ago and tell us a little bit about how you grew up, what that, what that dynamic was with your family and any traditions that you remember? Right. So I am ethnically, I'm mostly Hungarian, but my mom is Greek and her father is Greek. Everybody else, all my other grandparents are Hungarian. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as with most cultures, my, my, we followed my mother's culture and my mom's mom followed her husband's culture. So she had, they, they met in the liberation camps in, in, during the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother grew up, was a teenager when she went in. She knew nothing about food, nothing about cooking, nothing about housekeeping, taking care of a family, any of that stuff. And after the war, they had a choice of where to go. They went back to Greece. And so my grandmother learned all Greek food and Greek culture. And that's what I grew up with. Right. So, um, you know, we were always a, a, a foodie family in some ways, although my dad was a horrible eater for my entire childhood. Meat and potatoes. As long as it was meat and potatoes, <laughs> he would eat it. But I was always a very... Um, uh, I, I like, I, I was always very willing to try things and I, I can remember, and my dad always likes to talk about to this day, how we would, if we would go to a, a diner, let's say where they have a million things to choose from, I would order something and my dad would be like, did you ever have that? And I would say no. And he's like, well, how do you know you're going to like it? And I would say, I don't, but I'm going to find out because he was worried because, you know, with your children, when they don't eat, then you eat their food and you give them <laughs> your thing. And he wasn't about to do that. So, um, and, and other than really only one time that I can remember, did I not like what I tried? And funny enough, it was actually a Greek dish. It was pasticcio. Oh. They, they told me it was like lasagna and it's not like lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> so when it, when it tasted the nutmeg and cinnamon and I was like, this, this is just weird. So it was the only <laughs> thing I didn't eat. And I think my mom ate it and I had whatever she was, had ordered. So you made the commitment to be true to yourself by, by trying all these different dishes and you knew yeah. the consequences would be, I, I have to finish it regardless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at least make a, at least make a, a good attempt. That is so, funny. Um, so yeah. So I always had different things and my dad who was a horrible eater um, eventually um, 
he, in his business, he was a, a beer and soda distributor mm -hmm. and it was a family business. And we sold it to uh, some other people who were Russian. And then my dad actually stayed partners with them and they would invite him. And I don't know if you know about Russian culture and Russian eating. Mm -hmm. um, they do these huge banquets um, and they would invite him all the time to come out to restaurants and he would never go because he was afraid he wouldn't have anything to eat. Aww. And I was like, dad, these are your partners. These are, these people are important in your life. You need to go. And he's like, but what am I going to eat? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what they eat. But first of all, they've been eating it for hundreds of years and no one has died. <laughs> so try something, chew, 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 swallow. If you don't like it, don't eat it and eat something else. And I remember he came home and he was like, um, he was like, it was great because they had lamb chops, which is his favorite thing in the world. And, uh, and caviar, which is oddly enough, he had already liked. Mm. So he, he mostly, oh, and he ate, and he ate snails for the first time, which we thought he thought was fantastic. So it was, uh, that changed, that changed his life. And all of a sudden my dad became a more adventurous eater as well. So. Wow. Later in yeah. life. See, this is interesting to me because I, I do often like to hear about, you know, in the childhood that you're able to have kind of a diverse background with, um, being taken to different things. Like in your case, it was the diner. It was one place, but you got to choose from so many different things on the menu. Other people might have, uh, cross cultures in their own families and being taught different recipes and cooking. Other people said they they used to go to like farmers markets with their parents and so on. So you had very early on some opportunities to really uh, embrace and find out what you enjoyed and what you didn't necessarily enjoy, which is so funny about the pasticcio because you're correct. It's more like a pasta pie and it's on the sweeter side. And so yeah. if anybody's not aware, it's like a, a bechamel sauce, which is like a white sauce that's in there. So not very lasagna-ish, but I get yeah. it. I get the yeah. point they're trying to make. Yeah. And, and it's ground lamb with the cinnamon and yeah, and it's just, it's, it's, yeah. It's if, a, you're expecting, if you're expecting lasagna, you're going to be greatly disappointed. <laughs> that ain't it. Yeah, and then yeah. in, your dad's, in your dad's side, which by the way, maybe I should have him on this too, because mm. that's interesting since he was so set with just like, I know what I know, I know what I like, and I'm not venturing out on that, but then kind of getting nervous because this then brings into the discussion of socializing, right? I'm mm. going to be offered... Uh, the opportunity to go mix with my business partners or if I'm just, you know, out in an event and for people who have kind of very particular eating habits about them, that can become kind of a traumatic experience. It's not fun for them to venture off. And so I'm glad yeah. that you gently encouraged him. I'm yeah. glad that he tried some things and did find, you know, some things that he enjoyed, but then also the mere fact was, it was just, it was an event. It was a part, it was a place for everybody to be there and engage. And that's also what's, what's cool about, these types of food related functions is it's an opportunity for people to mingle and get to know each other in that respect. Yeah. So that's nice. And what's interesting is that like my kids, I have a nine-year-old and almost six-year-old mm -hmm. if, if, if I let her live that long. Yes. Um, they're, they're, they're horrible eaters. My little one is, is a little more adventurous and she'll try things. Um, but generally they're, they have very, very like uh, limited choices mm -hmm. of things mm -hmm. they'll eat. Mm -hmm. um, and it concerns me and and just talking about my dad now, it it gives it does give me continued hope that they'll eventually come out of it. Right. Um, but you know, it's funny when when and it you know they were like this from the beginning. And early on, I had I found a book called French Kids Eat Everything. Yes. I forget the name of the author. It's a fabulous book for anyone who has kids that are are this way, which it seems more and more kids are these days. I'm, I don't know what that says about parenting today, right. but um, you know, one of the <laughs> things they point out is that in France, if you're not a good eater, you will not do well in business because you're expected to eat. And if you're a picky eater, they think there's something wrong with you. Interesting. And so it's, so this, this woman who wrote the book was all of a sudden confronted with moving, growing up in Canada and moving with her husband who was French to a small town mm -hmm. and having children who were very picky all of a sudden, like people were like shaming her and she was like, I need to do something because my children are, are going to have no friends and then they're going to have no future. And she found a way to, she basically re-educated them as you would educate a French child, a French right. baby and started, you know, with all the sauces and everything and working their way up and they became good eaters. Unfortunately, I couldn't get my, my, my now ex-wife, I couldn't get her to, uh, jump on the bandwagon with it. Right. It, so. it is a very tricky thing. By the way, while, while you're talking, I looked her up. It's Karen, if I'm saying it correctly, Le Billon, B-I-L-L-O-N, for anyone yeah. listening who wants to look into that. I have heard of that book. And that's funny too, because of 
I mean, was this, you know, scientific studies done, but French specific ways and the different cultures that we have as far as the North American, uh, you know, eating habits too. Do we see things like that happen? It's possible. I, I teach a couple of undergrad classes where we do talk about engaging children in uh, earlier experiences and then also kind of being conscientious if you do have picky eaters of what the responsibility is of the caregiver's role and what the responsibility is of the child and understanding your child's not going to necessarily starve themselves as long right. as there's food available and right. that they can they have some sort of innate ability to self-monitor and it does take many many tries for children to embrace different types of flavors and they tend to like saltier things and sweeter things and not so much yeah. bitter things. So you have to be really patient, but you know, to kind it's of hard. go, yeah, I was gonna say to kind of go into it and be like, okay, I just, I just read this book. We got to reframe everything. Let's see, because you want, you want success for your children to come obviously as they um, age, but then you also have your dad who was kind of an example too. Like, it's okay. You can still be somewhat successful in business at that point, even if you were a right. eater. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard because I have a psychology background and it's in, you know, cognitive behavioral psychology. Mm -hmm. And I and I know the right things to do, but it's one of those, you know, physician heal thyself. Totally. I get, I get so frustrated and I know, okay, I have to, you know, make the op the choices available and encourage yeah. trying, but, you know, don't force it. And I find myself slamming my fists on the table. <laughs> just, just taste it. Just give it a chance. You'll like it. Maybe at least just try it, you know? Well, it's that... Hard. Was, were you, um, I was brought up in the very clean plate club where we did get, uh, you know, yelled at for n not eating everything and also being berated that there's children starving in this world and they would be lucky to have this food. And then, you know, obviously now that I'm in this field, I realize not the best way to approach children's eating patterns because, uh, yeah. you know, especially when you're putting things on a child's plate and I'm like, hi, I'm six. Why am I having so much food? Like, can you just maybe give me right. one kernel? But it's true. Like to also respect the fact that the parents maybe sometimes are also, you know, just nervous and making sure that you're getting fed well right. and nourished well. And then the waste comes into play too. We don't want people leaving things on their plate. So I, there's a lot of trial and error. So I really, you know, I commend you no matter what approach you took, there's no right or wrong right. way. It's whatever you dealt yeah. with at the time. But yeah. did you come from that environment too? Because I'm assuming that if you are mom, you know, if she's eat, if she's making those types of foods back in the day, was it always like a lot? Did like my family, we fed an army that didn't exist. Right. So yes, you know, Jews and Italians, we, we feed for the, Very similar. for the rest of the family and neighbors that might come for dinner. Just in case um, somebody pops over. And, 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 you know, just to enter into it, you know, I was quite lucky that my mom is an excellent excellent cook yeah I, i've been to lots of friends houses where they're like oh my mom's a great cook and then i'm like i sit down i'm like yeah, not, not, so not really <laughs> right um but um no i never i never really got that from my parents but it was never really an issue we ate our dinner we mm -hmm. ate our meals um but i did get it from my grandmother the one who was a concentration camp survivor mm -hmm. and she she added an extra layer to that she didn't say there are children starving she would say there are children starving and i was one of them right you know, they, they, you know, she ate grass. They gave them grass soup in concentration camp. Right. And, um, if that doesn't do it to, for you, right. Like, yeah, yeah, so if that doesn't guilt you into it. And I, and I always think about that now because I, I mean, I have a fridge full of leftovers, but you know, I'm single now. And before I was married, I do a lot of cooking. And one of my biggest problems is that I am also like my mother, a very good cook. Yeah. And so I love my food. And oftentimes I'll look at it and be like, I really want a little more, but then I don't have enough left over for a full meal. And then I end up eating all of it, right. you know? And I always kind of wonder also, like, did that guilt from my grandmother enter into it where, like, if I'm out, I need to finish what I had. Mm -hmm. I need to eat it. I need to eat it all. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. Yes. Well, listen, I was going to say with your background, we could definitely dive into all of this for many hours to come. But since this yeah. is a podcast, I'm trying to right, right. stick to a time schedule. I did want to say, though, so um, the way that I am recording all of these episodes are in whatever random order that they're going to eventually be published. But at my point is, is right now it is July. We are celebrating what is technically National 
Culinary Arts Month, and I wanted to talk a little bit about. Did not know that. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about your foray, um, and if any of those experiences, as you kind of alluded to, you know, play a role in your feeling comfortable with experimenting and cooking and tasting and understanding flavors and how things work and how how comfortable, how open, how flexible you are to making mistakes in the kitchen. And mm -hmm. then if your children also play a role in that as well, do they reap the benefits? Whether, you know, But assuming if they're picky eaters, they might not necessarily want what you're making. So walk us yeah. through a little bit about like how you're finding yourself in that in that realm now. Okay. So, I mean, starting as a child, I was always very interested in food and I always helped my mom and I always watched her cook. And my mom suffered uh, from frequent migraines, mm -hmm. debilitating migraines, days at a time, and would have them, you know, several a week. It was often, you know, mm. really bad. And actually, she's, it's been a lifelong journey to, to, to solve them. And she discovered that a lot of it was food triggers. Right. Um, and, you know, she's in her 70s and still working it all out. Um, so, but uh, by the time I was 12, I mean, I was cooking dinners for my family. I was cooking, you know, full on meals. And so I became very experimental. There wasn't, you know, we didn't have the food network then. Right. Um, but there was the frugal gourmet who I loved. There was totally the frugal gourmet. I know exactly and, who you're talking about. And there was Julia Child. Yes. And there was, one, and there was this one German lady whose name I forget that used to be on, she would be on a, a guest on Good Morning America sometimes. And I remember she, uh, Good Morning America was doing a live shot in uh, Flushing Meadow Park, which was blocks from my home. And I went early in the morning to go see her. <gasps> and I waited around and I, I waved out to her and I, and I told her, I was like, I made the, the, the um, she had made like, it was like a, a, some sort of meat with like a mustard sauce yeah. uh, roast. And I told her I made that and she was so happy and she was so excited. And, um, but, uh, yeah, so I was always very interested in food and when I was in college studying psychology, all the upperclassmen I knew were, uh, graduating to go home and be waiters and waitresses because you can't really get a job with an undergraduate in psychology. Mm -hmm. And I was really, really, uh, getting depressed and down on my, on, on what my future prospects were. And I was calling my parents a lot from school and they were like, look, you know, You've taken all your liberal arts courses. You have lots of interests. If Think about what you really love to do. And if there's a career in it, we'll support you, like with everything you, yeah. you've done, you know, like good parents. And so I thought about it for several weeks and I finally came back and I was like, I know what I want to do. And they were like, what? I said, I want to be a chef. And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to school right across the river from Culinary Institute. And I had, I had, a, I had a friend who was there and I would go visit him. Um, and yeah, so they said no. And they were like, um, finish your, your degree. And then if you want, we'll send you to culinary school anywhere in the world. And sure enough, I got my psychology degree and I got a job right out of, right out of undergrad right. working in psychology. So that so, set my career for a while. We'll support you on anything but that. <laughs> right. Yeah. My grandmother was like, oh, my God, you were going to be a doctor. Now you're going to be a butcher and yeah. you're going to work at Burger King. And I was like, well, I was, I'd like to think I'm a little better than that. I can get a, you know, get a job. I love the but, progression uh, of thought there. Well, that's yeah. something that you and I have in common too. I don't think I, I knew that. I also was very, oh my gosh, I used to love, love, love sitting down at 10 or 11 years old and just watching, you know, back in the day we had what, three channels, I think it was. Right. And I think it was channel 13 or whatever public broadcasting system um, show. Yeah, yeah. And they would have the great chefs of the world. Mm -hmm. They would have, I mean, the frugal gourmet for sure. Mm -hmm. There was Julia Child. Julia Child. There was a guy named Pasquale who had like a cucina espresso, espressa, and he would do mm. all of these great Italian dishes. And I would watch that much like my childhood counterparts were watching Bugs Bunny on television. Right. And I would soak up all that knowledge. And I loved cooking and experimenting. And then in my older years before I decided where I wanted to go for college as well, I was looking into culinary school programs and um, they're very expensive. A lot of them mm -hmm. were. And also we lived in New Jersey and a lot of those were in New York City. So I was being held back a little bit from venturing across the river because I right. had very strict parents. But what I ended up doing was I did take a bunch of, so I didn't obviously go into culinary school, but I took a bunch of classes like I took a knifing knife skills class and a saucing class and a pastry class did you ever get any formal training at all at all in no in those never, things but never. you you're just a self-taught chef self-taught yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I've seen courses you know um sort of a tab and right you know, other companies they'll offer courses and like I'll watch the videos and I'm like yeah I already know all that I stuff do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. well that's exciting so yeah. 
is there anything that you've been cooking right now that you're, you've kind of mastered or that you're looking to experiment with now that we have seasonal changes and things that are more available to us? Uh, you know, obviously the bounty grows in the summertime than it does. In the, right. In the and where, and, and where I live, I'm in central New Jersey. I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by farms mm-hmm. so I can get tons of farm fresh stuff, but, but really Corona has, um, yeah. has, has made it difficult. And yeah. of, of all the things I'm not eating, um, I find that I'm, I'm, I'm deficient in fresh fruits and vegetables right. because you have to get them more often. And I try to limit how often I'm going to the store. Um, but I am cooking. I am doing the, uh, the Corona bread. So Corona, I, wait, what is that? Is that banana bread or no? No, it's, it's just baking, uh, baking bread. You know, uh, Mark Bittman uh, had, had taken his version, had created his version of the no need Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So bread that right. you cook in a uh, in the pandemic. In a, yeah, that, <laughs> that, but you know you cook it in in a um, Dutch oven. Yeah. To to simulate what happens in a in a professional bread baker's oven. Got you. Got and you. I had always wanted to really do that, and then it seemed like the perfect time. And apparently, a lot of people thought the same. Got the same idea, and all of a sudden, flour was missing, and yeast was missing, and all of that. Absolutely. So then I, I, the more I researched it, then I, I, I started to learn about creating your own starter, mm-hmm. which allows you to make sourdough, mm-hmm. which is actually better for, for digestion, which is important for me because I have Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I've, I've baked probably close to a dozen loaves of bread. And luckily my kids like that because they're very picky about their bread too. That is um, amazing. Well, because of the fermentation in there that's supporting your gut. And exactly. oh my gosh, that is amazing. Well, I thought for a second that you were talking, maybe it was made with like Corona branded beer and that no, I was no. missing something, but no, you meant no, like no, they, bread in the time of coronavirus. Yeah, they call it the Corona bread or the COVID bread. Everybody, everyone, everyone's doing it. But you're so right about that because, you know, I mean, so we're, we are in a time, thank goodness, I think now there's some more stocking. So yes, in addition to it being National Culinary Arts Month, we're also in the middle of the pandemic and have been so for the last three months. And so going to the grocery store, going to the farmer's markets, finding, for those of us who do enjoy the more whole foods, it's a little bit of a struggle. And yeah. that's not to say necessarily that the package or frozen or, you know, canned goods or bad in any way but for those of us who enjoy a little bit more fresher types of fruits and vegetables or those will expire obviously and so those are the first ones to be gone and then the baking the baking thing really i mean i couldn't find for my mom i couldn't find like you said flour she had some cake mixes that she wanted me to purchase completely the shelves were completely bare chocolate chips were gone Mm. so that's what i guess people are really digging deep in there and doing a lot of baking and experimenting yeah, and I'm not, and, well. I, and yeah. I've always, I've always said I really love to cook. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not a baker. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't like I, the only thing I really like to bake is brownies and pie. I'm big and on pie. <laughs> um, and I have, um, you know, before I moved down to Central Jersey, I had to make my own pie to have what I considered a good pie. And there's actually um, a blueberry farm near me that sells pie, and they're one of the best I've ever had. So. I don't have to, I don't have to bake them. Well, that's the luxury also of being so accessible to things where it's like, listen, sometimes I just know that I have strengths in certain things and other things I can just let go and let somebody else do it for me. And it's it's available to you. Um, Excuse me. I wanted to, well, I don't mean to harp on the Crohn's disease for a sec, but I wanted to just at least bring up in this conversation that the discussion you said before with your mom and the migraines, the conversation you just mentioned about you and Crohn's disease, gut issues, and a lot of these trigger issues. And also I noticed sometimes skin like eczema, they're very hard to manage with food and nutrition. Mm -hmm. And it's often very hit or miss and trial and error. And unfortunately, because they are so debilitating that, you know, the the struggle is also um, exasperating as well. Did you find anything that worked for you? Like, did you find at some point, like, I know what to eat and this is what works for me. And so therefore I'm just going to stick to these things. Are you still kind of experimenting? Um, well, I think the experimentation <clears throat> never really ends, um, right. but you know, with my science background, I, I do read a lot of, uh, you know, journal research rather mm-hmm. than, you know, time magazine and mm-hmm. newspapers and stuff like that. Right. Um, and so I have found a lot of what works for me because my brother also has Crohn's right. and, and he takes more medication than I do. He's, he suffers more than I ever have. Aww. Um, and, um, I, I don't, I don't drink dairy. I don't drink milk, mm-hmm. although I do love cheese. Um, 
uh, but I'm also lactose intolerant. So that made it easier for me to stop drinking milk. Right. Um, and I eat a lot of whole grains. I don't use uh, added sugar. Okay. Unless it's absolutely necessary. You know, I, like I drink my coffee black, no sugar. Right. Um, and um, one of the things I've learned is, uh, again, is the fermented foods. Yeah. So I, I, I make, I pickle a lot. So I, like I do a lot of pickled like uh, cauliflower because cauliflower is good for you and pickling is good. So I do that a lot. Um, I recently made my own sauerkraut. Um, I'm, I have two jars of kimchi that I'm working on for the first time. I'm not really pleased with how that experiment is going, <laughs> uh, which is a little disappointing. Going to take um, a couple of tries. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I do try, I do try to make sure I have my, my sources of fiber. I eat, you know, yeah. a few prunes every morning. I eat a handful of walnuts. Um, I, I um, you know, I try, I try yeah. to, and, and, and it isn't just because of the Crohn's. I've just always been. Uh, I think because of my interest in food, I've been a little more health conscious. Mm -hmm. And so I always try to keep away from things that are processed. Right. Um, and you asked earlier about, you know, whether my kids have reaped the benefit. So like, I like to, like, they like chicken nuggets as all kids seem to. <laughs> um, and for some reason that doesn't translate into eating roasted chicken right. or any other form of chicken. Um, <laughs> but like I, I may, I'll make them breaded chicken cutlets. And it's, it's very hit or miss. Uh -huh. Like they'll love them for a little while and then decide they don't love them. Right. And they, and they want the, the frozen, you know, packaged and, you know, they'll be good with the brand for a while. And then, you know, especially with Corona, yeah. you couldn't, you, you, you can't be choosy. Yeah. You know, so you have to take what's in the freezer. And so, you know, I try to get the best one I can find. And right now, the, the the one that I have, they they don't love. Yeah, their brand you know? loyalty. They're like, I don't care what's going on in the world. Yeah. I'm loyal to my brand. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned too the dairy and the cheese thing. I find that a lot as well because certain cheeses are fermented, like mm -hmm. you know, the hard cheeses and so on. And people who are sometimes right. lactose intolerant or dairy sensitive do a little bit better with different types of yes. cheeses. So it's it's good because that can be very restrictive. I mean, you can be stuck in a place where you're like, I can't eat anything. I can't go out. I can't enjoy life. So I'm glad that you're finding some sense of, you know, understanding your condition and also how to manage it as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, I carry, I carry lactate everywhere right. I go <laughs> Just in case. because they, there's dairy in, in almost everything. And like you said, it's hard to, it's sometimes it's hard to live without, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, you, you, it's hard to, to, to find options, yeah. especially if you're out with other people. Uh, so I always have to have that, uh, with me, right. but yeah, the, the harder cheeses and, like yogurt, like I know some people with lactose intolerance, they can eat yogurt without any problems. But you know, as some if if you've suffered with it, yeah. um, the 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 effect is so so awful. At, you know, even though it's only a limited amount of time, it's it's so awful. Especially it exacerbates my Crohn's. Yeah. So even if I eat something that I think is fine, I still take a lactate just in case Understood. because it's not because it's not going to hurt me. Right. You know, it's just an enzyme. So it's like, whatever. Exactly. Preventative. It has that like safety component in there. Um, yeah. So Jason, since we are talking about health and wellness right now, can I dive a little deep into some of your background knowledge about sleep? Absolutely. Because as a dietitian, even though people come to me for food and nutrition guidance and counseling, we always say it's never about the food, it's about the behaviors. And one of the behaviors we always try to discuss, um, well, many of them, right? So there's food, there's uh, and nutrition, hydration, all of that kind of on that same little pillar. There is self-care, mental health, um, making sure that you're, you know, staying as less stressed as possible. And especially in times like this, not so easy physical activity or exercise movement of any kind. And then the, one of the other pillars is also sleep and sleep quantity, but also sleep quality from your experience and what, you know, can you share a little bit about how that plays a role in just overall health, wellness, you know, how maybe it can affect people. Um, and then any, <clears throat> any guidance that you've learned along the time, you can spread some light on, on that topic. Uh, this is what a, a six hour podcast. Yes. Right? Six and a half. <laughs> we'll do part four. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's funny, uh, the years, the, the, the dozen or so years that I worked in sleep, um, I became, acutely aware of how little people seem to care about what, how, whether they get sleep or not. Mm. Um, you know, we're a very, uh, driven, you know, uh, econ you know, our economy is very, uh, you know, you got to work hard and, you know, sacrifice and do all that. 
And the one thing people always sacrifice is their sleep. Right. And it's, it's, it's mind boggling because, um, you know, the, the, the deleterious effects of sleep loss are so, you know, overwhelming and people just, even when you point it out to them, it's, they still don't, don't seem to care yeah. from, uh, from, you know, inflammation, um, cognitive, mm-hmm. uh, cognitive effects, mm-hmm. uh, general overall health. When I started working in sleep, I was a sleep tech and I, I worked random rotating shifts. And I remember when I interviewed for the job, I said, wow, that's got to do something to your health. And they're like, well, you're young, you're, you're, you'll be fine. You know, you'll, you'll overcome it. And I did for a while. And when I got to the point where all of a sudden I started getting sick all the time, I was like, oh, this is catching up to me. I need to stop doing these (laughs) overnight shifts. And so I I found a way to do more daytime work. Um, But yeah, I mean, the, the, the role it plays is just so over, over, overwhelming. Um, And and it really encompasses every aspect of our life. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a one night of, of sleep loss, is I, I forget the number, but it's something like a twenty-point hit on your IQ. Mm-hmm. Temporary, you can go, you know, you can go back to sleep and, and get it back, but um, it's uh, you know, and then uh, inflammation and you know the um, the effect of cortisol from poor sleep. Right. Um, I'm I'm dealing with issues myself um, because I discovered that I'm starting to snore, right. and the snoring has led to GERD. Mm-hmm. And the GERD has led to uh, asthma. Um, and I found that I was snoring because of my, my asthma. I went to the doctor about my asthma. She asked me a bunch of questions. She looked at my throat. She's like, well, your throat is irritated and you're, you're, you're probably having GERD and you're burning not just your esophagus, but your, your larynx. And it's, it's all, and I was like, oh my God, this is, and it's all sleep. It's all based on connected. sleep. Everything's it's connected. all connected. Yeah. yeah. And so just as a side note for anybody out there who doesn't know what GERD is, it is the gastroesophageal reflux disease. A lot of people complain it sound, it feels a little bit like heartburn coming through your throat. Um, sometimes there are triggers of bars like eating acid and so on, uh, acidic foods, I should say. But in your case, it was almost the in- ingestion of like extra air coming into the, the pipes there and, and causing yeah. that, it sounds like. And, you know, you brought up a point too that I want I've as I always do, I'm scribbling notes as you're talking. So a couple of different things came in. So I have read, I, I teach, as I said before, I teach some undergrad and grad classes. We do talk a little bit about um, n- nervous disorders, cognition, Alzheimer's disease, and some studies that are showing that, like you were saying, you know, erratic sleep patterns, long-term sleep patterns. You can't really make up for that lost sleep. You can't really undo Never. the damage that's done. Exactly. And that yeah. while we're not entirely sure how the process works, um, and I guess at cellular level, there's a lot of studies that are kind of doing like, uh, you know, electronic readings of how your brain kind of allows that time to housekeep in that way. Yeah. Like it's right. It cleans up the beta myelin, whatever the hecks are going <clears throat> on up there. Yeah. And the other thing too, when you mentioned night shifts as well, like circadian rhythms come up a lot too in some of our discussions where uh, we're looking to see how we can help people who do have night shift work in helping them understand how their body might utilize nutrition in a different way, because it's not just, you know, typical breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything for them is shifted, but the sunlight comes in at different times for them than it does to somebody working a traditional job. And so there's a really lot of good points there. And I'm really curious as to, you know, what is coming up in the world of sleep habits and how that affects it. But you're right. It's, it's very, it affects a lot of things, inflammation, cognition. um, And then, as you said too, now it's affecting your GI tract again, as if you need more stuff happening there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I had done uh, when I was at the end of my career, we were doing research on uh, memory consolidation and mm-hmm. sleep. And I recently have seen that, you know, that, that field is, is, is blowing up. It's, it's, um, it's, it's ever expanding. I mean, there's just, there's so much to know. But just, um, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. It's just, it's that, you know, that people don't realize how, um, you know, like for young people, if you're in, in school and, you, and you're staying up late to, to mm-hmm. study, um, you know, you want to make sure you get a good night's sleep. Otherwise, you, everything you stayed up late to study isn't going to consolidate. Right. It's just going to be gone. It's fleeting. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just for general cognition, you know, you talked about Alzheimer's and mm-hmm. the effect on the, uh, the ability for the brain to clean up and do its housekeeping. Um, if you're not getting good sleep, you're, mm-hmm. you're, 
slowly but surely going to start having cognitive deficits and memory loss. Right, right. And that's, of course, for anybody who's had Alzheimer's in their family lines or anybody who understands the condition, it's, it's a scary thing. We don't want to necessarily uh, do that. But the problem becomes, like you said before, is for a society that is very driven, pulling all-nighters. Oh, you're going home early when you leave at 5 o'clock and people make these comments to you that, you know, you're leaving half a day and that, that type of thing. Um, it becomes a behavioral discussion. And just like nutrition, well, I mean, really, just like any wellness habit, uh, how do how do we go back and encourage people to prioritize that? So it really has to be coming from them, correct? Or I mean, maybe they might not have any. I guess any. It, it, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a vicious cycle yeah. of of our own motivations and our and our peer relationships, but also our our work relationships and our our, our job requirements. Mm-hmm. You know um, the. You know, we always talk about like that guy who's the first person in the office. He gets there before the boss. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy's up at four thirty in the morning. And like, you know, um, you know, some of the the biggest achievers in my current industry, they talk about it. they're up at four thirty in the morning and they get their exercise and they get their reading in and they do their 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 preparation for the day. And right. it, it's like I'm like four thirty. I'm like I'm never I'm never ever gonna do that because I just don't see the benefit outweighing the detrimental effect on my, on my health. Mm-hmm. I think there are some people who, you know, there, we know there are people who naturally get less sleep and those are the people that can do that. I can't do that. I'm a long sleeper. Yeah. I like to sleep and I just, and I, and I, I tell, I tell the people I work with, I'm like, yeah, just don't expect that for me. Yeah. It's, you know? And that's the thing too. I think from both the provider's standpoint and also the patient or the client standpoint is no, like you said before too, with the Crohn's disease discussion, know who, what works for you. Try mm-hmm. not to, just because you heard, you know, um, successful people have morning and evening routines, et cetera. There's ways that you can be productive and efficient in your life and make it work for you without having Absolutely. to accommodate all these things. And then the other thing I had wrote, written down as well in that was, um, to kind of ask you, uh, going back a little bit to what we were talking about for with health and wellness and your respects, what are some of your own routines? Are you, do you have anything now that things are a little bit wonky with the world? Um, are there non-negotiables? I like asking people that too. Is it a non-negotiable for you? Like you said, to kind of make sure you get the quality sleep. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's funny cause you know, uh, again, it's one of those, uh, physician heal thyself issues. Yes. Um, I, and I, I, I know this is true of my parents. I know this is true of some of my coworkers and some of my friends. Everyone's going to bed later. Mm-hmm. And those of us that are able to are sleeping later. Mm-hmm. Um, for the people who can't, now you're really having a problem because now you're jet lagged every day. You're, you're getting less sleep than you want. Right. Um, but everyone is phase shifting. Fortunately for me, I know how to fix it for myself. Um, most people don't, and most people aren't going to, don't even know that they can look up and it's a very simple process of, you know, how you use the light and how you use your, 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 your bet, your sleep timing and you can readjust yourself. Um, but you know, you're talking, it takes, it takes three months to set your circadian rhythm. You know, people who go to Europe for a week's vacation, they're like, oh my God, I'm totally screwed up because I'm jet lagged and uh, the time difference. And I'm like, don't worry about it. You're fine. Your circadian rhythm will take back over and you'll be fine. You have to live there for three months and then come back, then call me and I'll see <laughs> Gotcha. Before anything. Otherwise, up. otherwise wait another two, three days and then tell them you'll see you're, you'll be fine. Yeah. But because we've been locked in for months, we are slowly resetting our clocks. Yep. And it's, um, I, th- I think the sleep labs, especially the ones that deal with in- insomnia and circadian rhythm disorders are going to see a, a, a huge increase mm-hmm. in patients. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my own, uh, routines, um, sleep and, and eating wise. Yeah. Um, well, I, any like, health and wellness, anything you want to talk about? I mean, normally I would want to, I would always want to go to bed no later than midnight. And these days I find myself getting to bed between one and two, mm-hmm. like going to sleep between one and two. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a good solid seven to eight hour sleeper if, if, if I'm allowed to. Right. But, um, but you know, sh- and sharing custody of my kids, I'm sometimes able to, and sometimes not able to, <laughs> especially when I have my little one, she's up, she's up and she's talking and ready to go. She's a, what we call a morning lark. You know, she's up like a, like a bird and ready to sing. And the, and the rest of us are not, we're, we're night owls. Oh, I miss so, that energy. <laughs> yeah. And I was just talking to her about energy today. 
and uh, I was explaining to her the, uh, about you know her energy and you know, the difference between energy and speed. And I was like, yeah, I could beat you in a race, but you could run all day, and I just can't do that. <laughs> and she's like, I do get tired, and I'm like, when? <laughs> just tell me when, so I know that that's when I can get some rest. <laughs> but um, you know, and then I said like in the morning, you know, I, I usually I like to have um, a banana. I have a, a few prunes. I have my handful of walnuts. Mm -hmm. I have my black coffee. I've had to shift all of that a little bit because of the GERD, because I got to take my meds in the morning and then right. you're not supposed to eat for an hour, which has been a little difficult because I really, really want my coffee. I'm a bit of a coffee snob. <laughs> I only do espresso. So I make Americanos and uh, it's taken me several months of, or it took me several months of perfecting my, my dose as they call it right. when, you're, when you're grinding the, the beans and all that. Um, so it, it, it's, it's hard to wait. Um, but other, otherwise, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, how my explore, my exploring my culinary arts, um, I get, I get a meat delivery. So I have grass fed beef, you know, hundred percent grass fed. Um, I have, um, heritage pork, mm -hmm. free, free range chicken. And I get that every six weeks. Um, and it's hard, especially because I know I'm not getting enough vegetables or as much as I would want, right. it's hard to not constantly be like cooking a pork shoulder and just eat, eat shredded pork, you know, for days at a time, Right. you know, and, uh, you know, making ribeye steaks and, and all that. Normally I would, I would spread that out and I would, um, even though I'm, I'm nowhere near a vegetarian, I do see the benefit of having, you know, like grains and, and vegetables as mm -hmm. a meal mm -hmm. to just help keep everything clean and, you know, round it out a bit and, and balanced. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's been, it's been, it's been harder. So, uh, the, the routine is, I would say not routine. Yeah. It's like, like you said before, I mean, we're coming up on for sure that three month mark of making or breaking a lot of us, I think. And for, in your case, you know, you might be able to assimilate and accommodate some things, but you're not used to doing things that made you feel ha happy and, um, and stable and grounded in that way because you had perfected them in some, in some way. Um, yeah. So shifting this over does kind of throw off everything a little bit. So we, yeah. are, we are all feeling some pain in some way and very empathetic, I hope, to each other. And yeah. um, so unfortunately, while I would love to speak to you for a year and a half on all different <laughs> types of topics, I'm going to start wrapping up. But before I do, I want to find out a couple of things. First of all, is there anything that we did not necessarily touch upon that you felt you wanted to share? Because this is, you know, the guests podcast and the guest platform and whoever you feel you can kind of talk to, whoever that audience member is that you have in mind to take some nugget away. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you feel like you might want to share now? Well, well, I think when we talked about sleep, um, I'll address the, the big question mm. That I, I, it's not the most often, the most frequent question I get. The most frequent question I get is, um, I had this really crazy dream. Can you tell me what it's about? Oh, interesting. And, and my answer <laughs> to that is always, well, why don't you tell me what it's about? Right. <laughs> and they're like, but you're the sleep specialist. And I'm like, yeah, but it was your dream. How do I know? <laughs> you know, those books about dream interpretation analysis. Right. Were like, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's astrology. That's tarot. Right. That's not, you know, that's not science. Um, but otherwise, people always ask me about insomnia, mm. either initiation insomnia where they have a hard time falling asleep or maintenance insomnia where they can't stay asleep. And a lot of people don't realize that that's also insomnia. Um, and what I tell people is it is absolutely normal to have occasional insomnia. Mm -hmm. If it's anything more than, say, once a week, that's when you should really seek help. Okay. And, you know, uh, relaxation methods... Um, I, I do a lot of mindfulness. I've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, and I tend to do it before bed because it relaxes me. Mm -hmm. um, although most practitioners will tell you to do it like in the middle of the day. Um, but uh, there's lots of different relaxation techniques you can use. Uh, progressive muscle relaxation, guided imagery. These are all things, you know, you can look up okay. and they're very, they're very, very simple. Okay. Um, and they all really work. You know, worries lists, worries lists right now, especially with everybody not working and worried about bills and all that, you know, write a, write a list of all the things that are right. on your mind that would keep you up at night and then write a list of resolutions for each of those issues. Even if it's something simple, like, uh, try harder or make a phone call mm -hmm. or, you know, anything like that. And then if those issues come up during the night, then you say, no, no, I've done this already. I took care of it already. I'm I good. I took care of it. I know what to do tomorrow. I have a plan. Um, you'd be surprised at how relieving that is. Um, but, 
you know, just the idea that, you know, people would come in and they would say, oh, I have insomnia. And, you know, after asking all the, the necessary questions, I'd be like, you're absolutely normal. Yeah. I have these problems. I would never see those patients again. They would never come back mm -hmm. because they were fine. Right. They would go home and they could sleep because they weren't worried anymore. Right. So, you know, the occasional sleep problem is not a big deal. Um, but if you, if you are significantly sleepy, if you are fatigued, if you're tired, I mean, these are all different terms. They all mean different things. Right. Um, if you have those issues, please don't just go to your general practitioner. Please seek out a sleep disordered specialist because general practitioners have general knowledge mm -hmm. and they're just going to give you some Ambien or tell you to suck it up. Um, go to a sleep specialist because there could be an underlying issue. You could have sleep apnea. It could be really disruptive snoring. You could have restless legs, um, you know, all these different things. Yeah. So, you know, seek out, seek out the, the, the people who can help you. But, you know, again, uh, uh, the occasional issue with uh, insomnia is absolutely normal, especially right now, Yeah. especially with all the stress we're going through. That's very helpful. I appreciate you saying that because we, I think, well, a lot of people that are in my circle, we are all dealing with the, what is going on and I can't take this anymore and what, yeah. what is happening. So it's actually nice to know that a lot of people are going through the same thing. This is what is expected. And like you mentioned too, unless there's something that seems a little bit out outside of that or a little bit extreme or that more of a pattern, right? Like the once in a while thing, mm -hmm. not a big deal, but when we start seeing patterns and similarly too, um, that the, the discussion about kind of taking ownership for, you know, what you might be placing on yourself and not that you mean to be doing that. Of course there's worries, but there are might there might be strategies and tools that can come, uh, help you alleviate that and get your mind off of things or, you know, talking to a specialist in some way, therapist, et cetera, and people who um, could help support you really takes that pressure off, I think, and then allows you to then focus a little bit better and then everything kind of falls into play. Then you have better quality sleep and maybe you're yeah. not snacking so much at midnight and so on. Um, that's very, very helpful. I really appreciate that, Jason. Yeah, Thank and you. It's, it's, it's really, it's really, you're welcome. It, it, and it's really amazing how all the different things can tie into each other. You know, when you don't sleep well, yeah. then you end up depressed. And when you're depressed, you don't eat right, right. which cause, which causes problems with your sleep. And like, it becomes mm -hmm. this vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. And as a sleep specialist, we always obviously attack the sleep. And sometimes I ended up treating someone's depression because I fixed their sleep. Absolutely. Sometimes you got to fix the depression to fix the sleep. Sometimes it's the other way. Absolutely. And, and, and the food, you know, the correlates with food. I mean, some people are stress eaters. Yeah. I'm a boredom eater. And having kids, they always want like some cookies and brownies and I'm happy to make them, but if they don't eat them all right. and then they're not here, I will eat it. Yeah. And they come back and they're like, you ate my ice cream. I'm like, it's not your ice cream. It was my ice cream. You weren't here. <laughs> so. Once you, once you walk away, it defaults to being mine. <laughs> exactly. So, so Jason, uh, I want to also ask um, a couple more questions before we, we do end uh, wrap up the future you once, I mean, I'm assuming we're going to still be in this predicament as, you know, the next couple of months progress, but the future you, as far as, you know, the years to come, are you pursuing anything in the culinary world or otherwise that, you know, um, you enjoy doing that support your habits or wherever you see yourself going professionally, if there's anything that you want to share in that way? Um, well, I do always dream like whenever I'm driving and I see like a, an empty storefront, if it's in the right spot, that looks the right way. I'm like, Okay, that's where I'm going to open my barbecue joint. You know? Oh, so cool. I have, a, I have a friend who still works in the film industry. And every once in a while, I'll call him up and be like, Dave, I found this spot. Let's drop everything. <laughs> Let's do it. And um, yeah, he's, he's, my, he's my cooking like, partner in crime. We'll get I together love, and, and do big meals. I love that. Um, Otherwise, no, I don't have any, I don't have any culinary uh, pursuits. Nothing, no, nothing that I'm pursuing. And then my... Uh, second to final question is if people are interested in learning more about you or sharing their stories or telling you, thank you for sharing yours. Um, are you publicly available on social media or on LinkedIn or anything like that? If not, that's am, okay. Yeah. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook just as my name, Jason Birnbaum. Um, I don't have, I mean, I, I, I probably still have some web pages floating around that right are there. just, you know, cause they're out there forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they but, never, um, they never go away. I'm going to yeah. link, I'll, I'll link I'll, I mean, you shared with me your handles and things. So I'll make sure I, I post yeah. that in the episode notes as well. And then yeah. my final question is pun intended. Everybody's going to get so sick of me saying that after a point, but uh, what is on your plate today? So physically right now, what, when we hang up, what are you eating and what are you doing when we're done? 
Uh, I have pizza dough that is, has been resting that I'm going to separate out and then put in the fridge for at least two days mm -hmm. to ferment and then make some small pizzas over the next week or so. Um, that's my, that's my next thing. I'm trying a new recipe. I don't know if I love it, but we'll see. Okay. Um, and I did just bake two loaves of bread yesterday. So that that's there. That's always there. Always, always trying to find something new to throw on top of a slice of sourdough. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot. I've been doing a lot of sardines. I, I love sardines and it's great pandemic food. Yes. You know, high in protein, high in omegas, you know, Indeed. low in mercury. Canned. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Um, uh, food pursuits. I do need to go and get some fruits and vegetables because I have almost nothing. Nothing so, left out there. All yeah. right. So you got slim pickings and you're going to have to go forage. The, well, the stores have plenty. We're, right. we're, good, we're good out here. It's just, it's just having the time and opportunity to go and, and get more. It is a bit of a, it is a bit of a production these days. Yeah. yeah. I missed sour cherry picking, which Aww. is a very short, it's like, it's like a week and a half and I missed it because that's my favorite pie is sour cherries. Yeah. Um, so I, I missed that. Um, and there's some blueberry picking going on which I'm going to try and do when I go to pick up a pie because I'm going to see my family on Sunday to celebrate anniversaries and graduations and all that stuff. Oh, that's nice. That's very lovely. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jason, it has been a pleasure having you on the podcast. And I am so delighted to be able to talk to you about all these different things because even though we have known each other for 18 years, I don't think this, is, this has been the longest conversation I think we've ever had. Definitely the longest one-on-one -on -one <laughs> conversation for sure. So thank you so it's much. Been a, it, the pleasure yeah. has been all mine Aww. really. And I'm, I'm so happy that you invited me to do this. And, um, you know, if, uh, if you ever want to do more stuff on, on, on sleep and stuff, let me know. I, I will absolutely, there might be a part two, there might be some sort of panel discussion, bonus episode. I, I'm, I'm always, you know, one, once people find out that I work in sleep, questions always come at me yes. no matter what career I've been in. Yes. And I'm always willing to help people. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Dish with Dina podcast. I am Dina D'Alessandro, registered dietitian, nutritionist, founder, and chief executive life changer at Dish with Dina, and I'm also your host. If you like what you heard, I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at dishwithdina.com with questions, comments, feedback, and if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again. Dish again.